Right, so, hey, I, I wanna put just quickly a little bit of framework around, um, Caesar and I were just chatting, and it's more of an encouragement than anything, and um, how many of you guys ever played in the ocean? Like, you, know, you live in Southern California, you ever play in the ocean? Like two of you, really? This is gonna be a bad analogy. Anybody ever go to the beach, play in the ocean? You ever caught a wave, like tried to swim into a wave? And you know that if you're in the wrong spot, you don't catch the wave. You guys understand that? I got one, mm -hmm. My kids, you go to the beach with me, talk to me. If you're in the wrong spot, do you catch the wave? No. You don't. You gotta be in the right spot. A lot of what's happening in our church right now is some of you, there's a wave happening, but you're in the wrong spot. You're not catching it. And you're watching it, and you're seeing it's cool, but I want to encourage you, you, you got to discern where the, the wave is. That's part of moving with what God is doing, is that you actually discover how he's releasing, then you get into that spot. So for some of you, it's worship. you got to get into the spot of worship to catch what God is doing. For some of you, it's teaching. For others, it's service. But it's happening all around our church right now. So I, I really want to encourage you. Ask the Lord, God, where's the wave that you want me to catch? Because he is trying to help you move into something of faith. It's a, a greater release of his goodness to you. That makes sense at all? Yes. I mean, maybe it helped five of you. I don't know. I like the ocean, so it works for me. Okay, so, hey, um, we do have some news to share with you. So that's why the, the young people are all still in. Um, and because in the past, when we've had different times of change in our church, um, it always seemed like the change came at the last minute. And, and just frankly, people got upset with me because they're like, why didn't you tell me sooner? Um, so we have change that's about to happen in our church. Now, you know that like God is unchanging. Somebody say amen. amen. But you know that as people, we're always what? We're always changing. And a lot of times seasons of change are actually healthy and they're growing. I mean, there's times where seasons of change are difficult. This is not a difficult one. Um, although we will feel the change, especially the young people will feel the change that I'm about to share. But I wanted the folks in the room also to be aware so that it's not a surprise when in a few weeks we pray for him and his soon-to-be wife, um, you guys aren't surprised. So if you haven't figured out what I'm talking about yet, um, Matt is stepping down as our youth leader. Oh, yeah, I know. Some of you are like, bum, the youth, the, don't worry, youth, he's going to talk to y'all today about that. So if you're brand new here, just hang out. If you know Matt, he's going to share with you some his heart and what he feels like God is doing with him. Um, when he and I sat down and talked, he said, I told you when I came, I wouldn't leave unless God told me to, and God is telling me to. So uh, there's nothing wrong. There was no, like, oops, we messed up. He didn't mess up. We didn't mess up. I actually thought we were getting together to do some planning, and he did have a plan, but it wasn't my plan. <laughs> um, so anyways, Matt will be with us for a few more weeks. March the 1st is last Sunday with us. So on March the 1st, our plan is we'll bring him up front, pray for him, bless him. For those of you who don't know, a week later, he's getting married. So we'll definitely pray for that. Um, and so that you know, don't start reading like, he's doing this because he's getting, not any of that. He just felt like God said my season's done. So um, I don't want, like, if I hear you gossiping, I'll light you up because there's nothing wrong, okay? So often people like read into stuff. Don't read into nothing. But I just want to bless him. In a few weeks, we're going to bless, bless him. But I wanted to make you all aware. Young people, you are now aware too, but he's going to talk to you a little bit in your room. Okay, so you guys will be able to ask a few questions and talk. For those of you who feel the nudge to the youth ministry, talk to me. Because it came as much as a surprise to me as it did to you all. We don't have a plan yet, but we will. God always has a plan, amen? amen. So we are seeking God's plan right now. And if, you have, if you're part of that plan, come talk to me. That'd be awesome. So anyways, with that, love you, Matt. 
and I don't just say that. I really do love you. I want the best for both you and your soon-to-be wife. And how many days you got? 20 days. How many of y'all remember when it was only 20 days? I, don't know. <laughs> I just remember that part being busy anyways. But love you. God bless you guys. You can go off to your youth ministry and do your thing. But uh, again, bless them. Look, if you want to take them to coffee or go hang for lunch or catch a conversation with them, that is why we shared the, the information with you sooner rather than later so that you could be a blessing to him and honor him and do all of that. All right, is that good stuff? Okay. Some of you are like, ooh, I don't know. That's change. I hate change. You know what's crazy about change? Nothing about our life doesn't change, to use poor grammar, except for God. That's just nuts. God is stable, unchanging. So anyways, grab your bulletins. Let's uh, do a few matters of business. Then we'll get into the word right after that. So um, first up, you guys have a... Uh, and Well, actually, let me say this first. If you are visiting, new, newer, you want information, you want us to communicate with you, this little deal actually tears off. You can write on it, drop it in the offering box by the door, and we'd be happy to connect with you, answer your questions. Remember, we always want your prayer requests. We want to be praying for you. So you put that on the back. We will get you on the prayer chain. Um, first up, we have uh, intercessory prayer. You know, as I mentioned a, a few months back that we were going to develop an intercessory prayer ministry. And I said this when I started to, to encourage you all. How many of you have ever felt like the gap between like you see something wrong and you know something needs to be done, but you don't have it within your resources to do anything like either monetarily or, or you can't put your energy into it. Like you feel stuck because you see the need, but you can't do anything. How many of you feel that way? Okay, very high likelihood you're called to intercession. Because intercessors are the ones who stand in the gap between the natural and the spiritual, and then they implement and enforce or invite God to change circumstances. Does that make sense? So some of you already know that you're prayer warriors. Some of you are trying to discover it. Well, on, on March the 1st, 6 p.m., so it'll be a Sunday evening, we're going to be here. We're going to do a little bit of teaching on intercession and start to develop an intercessory ministry in the church. Because as I shared with you guys several months back, some of you may or may not remember, I remember everything I said, well, most everything, some things. Okay, not everything. Anyways, I remember saying this, though, that when I encouraged you all, I said this, that if we're going to build the next season of what our church is doing, Dave Collins, he and I were meeting, and he said, he said, you know, Pastor, you need to get your intercessors out. If you're going to build the next season of your church, you need to get a group of people really praying, not just casually showing up for a prayer time, but actually interceding, going in the gap, starting to pray for change in schools, change in the, the region, change in politics, all of that, that we actually use our spiritual voice. That's the start of it. So if you feel like, hey, that's probably me, plan on being here on the 1st. That evening at 6, we'll be right inside this room. Um, well, actually, I think we're going to start here. I don't know if we'll finish here, but come here, and then uh, we'll, we'll hold the teaching and uh, help you guys grow a little bit. Um, VBS is coming, as many of you know, June 15th through the 18th. You're like, that's so far away. No, it's really not. That's right around the corner. So we have a planning meeting, which is also on the 1st. That one will be right after service. So on the 1st, you're going to stay in the room. Right after service, you guys will do a little bit of planning for the VBS stuff. And then for those of you who are going to be part of it or you would like to attend, we do have our VBS Fun Shop on May the 2nd. So this is all mark your calendar kind of stuff. And it'll be at 815 to 1230. It's on a Saturday here at the church. Now, we're hosting the event for the whole region. Other churches will be here. It is $10. 
um, if you register by March 22nd. If you can't afford to register, come talk to me. I don't mind paying for you to attend, um, but don't go to Starbucks afterwards. You guys know the routine. And then a $20 regular registration if you wait till after. I know, like, I ain't got no money, Pastor, but I need a vente. No, I'm playing. But $20 uh, regular registration sign-ups at Connection Corner. So get out Connection Corner, sign up. We'll get you information. On March the 8th, some of you guys were here when we had Dennis Rainier come. Dennis is a prophetic teacher, really a, a good dude. Well, he's going to be in town, so he said, hey, Pastor, can I come? So I'll be here, too. I'm not intending to be anywhere else, but Dennis is going to come and minister to us on the 1st. I wanted to let you know that, um, and, and I want to really encourage you um, to, to show up because sometimes you really need somebody to say it differently than me. Like, listen, I love you all. I'm your pastor. I love teaching you. I know some of you are in the room because you connect to the way I teach, but it is also good to be present when other people are delivering the message, other people are ministering. So I want to encourage you, make sure that you're here. And then Guatemala, how many of you planning to go to Guatemala? No hands, couple of hands going up. You need to sign up today. You're like, say what, today? Yeah, we need to know that there's a commitment. We're trying to confirm the, the trip for July, and then we're also planning a trip in November. So we have two trips planned this year. The July trip I'm leading, the November trip, the intent is, I believe, I don't know this 100%, that Tracy's going to be leading it. Still working out the leader on that one, but I'm pretty sure it's Tracy. But that said, if we don't get the signups for July, then we only do November. So if you're intending to go in July with me, I need you to let me know that. You've got to sign up. So Connection Corner today, there's no deposits due yet or anything like that, but we do need to know who's intending to go so that we can um, communicate with Hope of Life what we're planning to do. And then last but certainly not, not least, young adults, you in the room this morning? Yeah. Only one of them said yes, but there's several of you here. Um, so 1 o'clock today, we're going to be uh, meeting in the cafe having a little bit of Italian potluck. I made some pretty legit soup, and some of you guys right now are thinking, I wish I was younger. <laughs> so we're going to do potluck, and we're going to go through uh, discovering our God design, which is uh, the study in, in the Enneagram. So we're here today, 1 o'clock, so plan on sticking around. Lots of announcements. Read your what? Bulletin. Read your bulletins. There's information in there. Also, the website, all of that stuff has info. Okay, let's pray, and we'll get into the Word this morning. Father, thank you this morning. Um, that we can bring our hearts, that we can open up the Word, that we can study and learn. And this morning, as we talk about the idea that Jesus speaks, um, God, I pray that you would help us discover, God, that you still speak. And one of the most profound ways that you have spoken to us is in the person of Christ. God, as we look at it, I pray that you'd open our hearts, stretch us out a little bit, help us to grow. And God, I pray for discovery for all of us. We all want to become more lovers of God, more Christ-like, and I pray that that would happen right now as we look at your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I wanted to talk to you some about the word of God. We're in a, this series called Established in the Word, and last week we talked about how the word was put together a little bit, but really, really trying to bring to you some of my own journey, what I discovered as I was growing in Christ, and helping you guys connect some of the biblical truths to that. So this morning, we're going to talk about Jesus Speaks. How many of you guys know Jesus Speaks? The question is, what does he speak? See, sometimes we have this idea because we're around Christianity so much, we just think, well, of course he talks. I mean, I got the Bible, and it's about Jesus, so of course he talks. But if God is talking, what is he saying? How is he communicating? What does that look like for us? How do we grow from that? kind of an idea. Now, we are going to be putting up a few of the verses up on the screen for you, 
We're going to be jumping into John chapter 1 in just a second. So we're going to get that up there so you can look at it while I'm looking at it. But this morning, the first thing I want to establish is that Jesus is, in fact, the Word of God. So let's go ahead and get that up and read that together. Did you guys get it all together? Great. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Isn't that beautiful? Technology is cool, isn't it? So for those of you who don't have to chase down your phone or open up your Bible or you left it on the counter at home, let's read this together. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. Well, there it is. He was in the beginning with God. Okay, so let, let's just stop there. Let's stop there. In the beginning was the Word. What does that mean? Jesus. Oh, yeah, it means Jesus. That's great. What does that mean? Jesus was there. I know. Jesus was the Word. Again, what does that mean? What do words do? Let me ask it differently. What do words do? When you use words, what are you trying to do? You're trying to communicate. If I walk up and I say, hi, Grace, Grace knows that I'm saying, hi, hello. If I say, how are you, Alexa? She knows I'm asking her question. How are you? When we use words, we're trying to do what? Trying to communicate. When God uses words, what is God trying to do? Now, what was he communicating in Jesus? Oh, man, we can make a list, couldn't we? Communicating forgiveness, communicating acceptance, love, deliverance, freedom, healing, lots of stuff that he communicated. But I want to establish the idea that, that God speaks. That word, word there, is the word logos in the Greek. It's a word uttered by a living voice. So when God spoke of Jesus being the word, he was literally using his own voice to say, this is my communication to mankind. That's what God was doing. He was communicating a message of grace and of love. See, listen, it's spoken by, by the Father through the Spirit about Jesus to us. So when we read the Bible, you got to think this. The Father spoke it by the Spirit of God who wrote it about Jesus who redeems us. Somebody say amen. That's actually good. You might not remember that whole phrase, but that was actually pretty clever. It was. It was smart. I, just trust me. It was smart. I'm just playing with you, but it was smart. So spoken by the Father... It's a mandate spoken, the word spoken, a discourse, a declaration, a prophecy. All of these were declaring something about Jesus, but it was also more this. It was declaring something about the Father and how he communicated through Jesus to us. So he was a discourse, a conversation. He was a declaration, I'm God. He was a prophetic word, I'm a redeemer, a healer, a deliverer, a restorer the lover of your souls, the one who captures your heart. See, Jesus spoke of the Father. He was the message of God. You got to think like this. He was like the messenger boy. You ever told your kid, hey, go get mom. Kid runs in the other room. Hey, mom, dad wants you. What does mom say? Why? <laughs> this is Jesus. <laughs> hey, dad, what do you want me to tell him? Go tell him I love him. Hey, father wants to tell you he loves you. Woohoo! Okay, Dad, what else you want to tell him? Father wants to tell you you've been healed. Woohoo, cool. Hey, Dad, what else you want to tell him? That's what's happening with Jesus. The whole message of the gospel is him communicating the Father's message. Now, what's wild to me is I, I tell you guys my story. I grew up as a Catholic kid. So for me, and now some of you grew up Catholic. How many of you guys grew up Catholic? Grew up Catholic? So you're real familiar. If you're Catholic, you're real familiar with the Ten Commandments, aren't you? Yeah, like, whew, those were scary. Like, the Ten Commandments were like the ten things you don't do if you don't want to go to hell. That's the Ten Commandments. But you know that literally, 
when God gave the Ten Commandments, the word in Hebrew is the word debar, which literally means word. So it's literally the words of God. That's actually what the Ten... So we go, Ten Commandments. They're not Ten Commandments. They're the Ten Words of God. And what were those words? Listen, no different than the same message Jesus spoke. Love God with all your heart. Love people as you love yourself. Isn't this the words? Isn't this the Ten Commandments? Didn't Jesus say all of these commandments are summarized in these two things? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Ten Commandments. See, it's all a message of how we live out this life in Christ. See, and then it goes on later in John verse 14, John chapter 1 verse 14, and Jesus said this, and this is just reiterating what I just said, and the word became flesh, so the spoken word of God became flesh, that's Jesus, and he dwelt among us, literally tabernacled. In other words, lived his experience as a human being, experiencing our struggles, our strifes, our temptations, hunger, all of it. Jesus experienced all of it. And he said this, and we saw his glory. Question is, whose glory? Who's his? Which his? Okay, God, generic. The Father, the Son, or the Spirit. Whose glory did we see? We saw the Father's glory. That's important, by the way, especially if you have a bad perception of who the Father is. See, for me, I had a bad perception because I always thought God was going to get me. Then I started to realize not only was he not trying to get me, he was demonstrating his glory, his weight, his magnificence to me. Watch the same way he's doing with you. See, listen, some of you are sitting in the room, like, I can tell by your look, you're like, hey, funny yet, Pastor. I'm not there yet, just hang in a bit. <laughs> like, Pastor, you're boring me a little bit. You've talked about this before. I have, because it's that important a theme. Many of you come into the room, and this is what you think I'm doing my duty. You should be thinking this, I'm here to have a conversation with God. That's what's happening. And sometimes God uses the gap-toothed pastor to talk to you about himself. Sometimes he talks to you by yourself. Sometimes he uses his word. But you've got to understand this, God is talking. He's talking. We saw his glory, the Father's glory, and, and the glory as, only, as, a, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus comes, communicates a word. It, those words are in the same stream as God always talking, like the Ten Commandments and so forth. You see, all of these things are communicating a message of love to us. See, words communicate messages. Just to watch. How many of you guys ever traveled anywhere? Gone to another country? Ever been somewhere and the, the language is foreign to you? Ever been anywhere you, you can't talk to them? Like I took a whole team to Thailand. And, they, and this was great. I took them to Thailand. And I said, you have to stay together. And they said, why? I said, because if you get lost, what are you going to do? And they said, well, what do you mean? Like, I said, are you going to pick up the phone and call 911? By the way, that does not exist in Thailand. And when you get on the phone and the lady answers and she says, Swadika, you know, what are you going to say next? Like, you want to hear how stupid I am with this stuff? Like, the only other language I know is Spanish, right? And I don't know it, know it. Like, I do Spanglish. Like, I'm not really super good at it. So I go to Thailand, and I'm talking to a Thai guy who is not understanding me. So the only other language I know is Spanish. So what do you think I did? I tried talking Spanish to him. So I got a Thai guy listening to an English guy speaking bad Spanish in Thailand, and he's looking just as confused at me. Listen, the truth is this, that words communicate. God is communicating. He used Jesus as the word to communicate with us. 
He uses his, his written word to communicate with us. So you got to think like this. When God created all of creation, he did what? Spoke it into existence. God's word brings life, wholeness of release, brings possibility. God spoke, he gave the commandments, the laws, the precepts. In Jesus, we have the word, and he was communicating to us a message of love within this word. See, the Father's love and favor was communicated through Jesus. So the Ten Commandments, the, the Ten Words of God, Jesus being the Word, what did Jesus communicate as he was communicating? Jesus said this in John chapter 5, I only do the things the Father has shown me to do. So every single thing that Jesus did was a representation of what God was already communicating. Now, when you read the Gospels, do you kind of get like warm and fuzzy sometimes? Like sometimes I read them and I just think, man, that's cool. Like walking on water, that's sweet. You know, three little fish turning into feeding thousands, I'm liking that. Blind guy, lame guy, you know, crippled people, lepers, everybody's getting healed. And, and something inside of me goes, yes. See, because there's a release of understanding who the word Jesus was in people in a connection to our role as his children. There's a connection there. God is speaking words through Jesus, wants us to receive them, and then wants us to work through those very same things. See, Jesus was the messenger of the acceptance, of the forgiveness, of the grace, of the correction of God. He brought all of those and many, many more when he came. So how are you all doing with this idea that Jesus talks? I mean, you're like, I don't know, man, Pastor, I just need more coffee this morning. It's not cold. You've got no excuse this morning. Like, it's a beautiful day. Some of you are already out, like, having lunch. That's what's going on. But, but listen, Jesus communicates, and he communicates for the Father. That's actually what's going on. So, so the value of words. So, again, just building this idea of words. Just track with me for a second. I am going somewhere. Don't worry. The value of words. Anybody ever made a promise? Anybody ever had somebody else make a promise to you? Anybody ever had somebody break a promise? That's a bummer, isn't it? All of us. We've all made promises. We've all broken promises. We've all had promises broken to us. See, that's because we don't understand the value of words. Does God ever break promises? No. Doesn't ever break promises. And that's part of the discovery of understanding how God communicates. He never will leave you wanting. Listen, I need to, I feel like I'm following my notes. I need to connect you right now. Some of us have lost things in our lives. Things, relationship, people, friendships, loved ones, relationships have fractured. And because that's happened, you have a hard time entering into trusting God to restore. See, l l listen, listen. I, I love saying this. If it's not good, it's not done. Let that settle with you. For, if it's not good, it's not done. See, somewhere in there, you should be able to see God's fingerprint. Even if the circumstances are bad, you should still be able to see the goodness of God. Now, can I be honest with you? You have to look for it. And by faith, sometimes you have to grab it. You can't just, like, so often, like, I'm not going to tell on you, I've thought the same thing. I've said the same thing in my heart. Don't say it out loud all that often, but I've, where I'm like, man, God, if you really cared, you would just fix it. You would just do something. Why don't you make it change? Anybody ever thought that? Like, God, if you really love me, why do I have to fight this? You should just fix it. 
Now, now, don't get me wrong. I love the times that God just fixes it. I've had him do that for me a few times. Anybody else? Yeah? You get out of a, a pinch because God just is God. And other times, it's a journey, isn't it? It's about exercising faith. It's about walking in his favor. Watch. It's about agreeing with it when you can't see it. Oh, that's so hard. But it's so good when you see him say, I've got a way. I've got a path. I've got an idea. See, listen, his word communicates that there's always a plan for his people. His word communicates that he'll direct your steps. His word communicates that he's for you, that he's not against you. His word, listen, this is all his word. This is what God speaks. It's what he communicates to us. But I got to be honest, we have to walk into it. We have to say yes to it. Like sometimes, I don't, man, tell me if you guys ever do this with God. I do this with God sometimes. Then I have to go back and repent. Like, like I almost get this attitude like, well, if you're really, prove it. Now, we would never actually say to God, prove it. We say different phrases like, yeah, show me. Yeah, you know, I'm in for it, God, but, you know, you've got to show me something. Come on, am I talking to anybody right now? Don't we all do this? With, and God is saying, okay, I'll show you something if you actually al align your heart with me. Like, I, one of my favorite prayers in all the Bible is, you know, Jesus said to the guy, do you believe that I can? He goes, I do, but help where I don't. Help my unbelief is what the guy said. I think you can do it, but what if I don't have enough? That's a good prayer. See, and sometimes we really have to press in to this idea that God is for us. See, when God makes promises, he doesn't just roll over on them. He stands with them. He walks through it. Listen, this is the idea of covenant. How many of y'all know that God is a God of covenant? Listen, God made a promise here. That was only one yes in the whole room, really? How many of y'all know that God is a God of promise? It's a God of promise. That means this. See, we don't understand promise so well. Let me tell you why we don't understand promise. Because people around us have promised, and they failed. So we think this. Well, God promises, so what? People have been around me, and they fail. Like, we often treat God a little like this, contractual. I'll give you this, God, if you give me that. I'll serve you, God, if you give me a nice wife. I'll serve you, God, if you give me a big home. I'll serve you, God, if you... Watch, this is my favorite one. I'll start giving, God, if you give me the promotion. Oh, I hear it all the time. All the time. And this is what I know. If you want to honor God, honor him, and he'll honor you back. That is really how the, the, the thing works with God. It is about stewarding yourself as you press into what he's doing. See, God is a God of covenants. When you look at the Bible... The whole Bible is built off of covenants. How many of you guys remember Adam and Eve? That's called the Edenic covenant. They messed up. God said, oh, there's going to be some difficulty, but I'll always be with you. What about Noah? You guys remember Noah? We all love Noah's covenant. You know why? Because we look in the sky after it rains, and what do we see? A rainbow. What was the rainbow a promise of? I would never destroy them. By the way, if you look in the book of Revelation, two times it describes the throne of God with a rainbow. Because God declared, I would never destroy an entire... See, what about Abraham? Did God build a covenant with Abraham? Absolutely. And then there's many more. The Davidic covenant, the Mosaic covenant. I can go through lots of them. The whole Bible is full of covenant. How about this one? Jesus. It's called the new covenant. See, this was God's communication to all of us. Like, we took communion, was it last week, I think it was? Took communion together? And Jesus said, you know, remember, my body's broken for you. My blood was shed for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. What you're doing is you're celebrating, listen, the new covenant. 
You're celebrating that God did a covenant, a communication, listen, a promise to you that he would make your life fruitful and fulfilled. See, now, now this blows me away a little bit because when we think of covenant, we just think like, whoo, you know, yes, I'm going to say a prayer and yes to Jesus and we're good to go. All covenants, all covenants require a sacrifice. Okay, so say that with me. All covenants, they require a sacrifice. Okay, so the new covenant required whose sacrifice? Jesus. So Jesus is the one who shed his blood so that all of us would be able to walk and watch the Father's communicated word of our goodness, or his goodness toward us is how I should say it. See, God was trying to communicate a message that I've always been for people, I've never been against people, and I really, really want them to discover my goodness. So I told you all of that word stuff, all of that communication stuff to tell you a story of my discovery of what I'm telling you. So I'm older than some of you, not as old as others. Praise God. Somebody say amen. Somebody say, geez, pastor, you look young. Come on, humor me. Come on, no. No, really. I was in Bible college. This was many years ago. So this would be the early 90s. I was in Bible college. And I was in this season of discovery of who God was. And you know, you know that when God is trying to send a message to you, he'll do it with like multiple avenues. You guys know that? Like, he doesn't just do it one way. He'll do it multiple ways. So in Bible college, we were, coincidentally, we were studying the, the Gospel of John and the book of Ephesians at the same time, two different classes. So I'm studying this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. Full, like, I just remember, and I'm like, whoa, this is cool. Like, Jesus is the communication of God. Like, as a Bible teacher, I'm like, this works. It'll preach. But I didn't understand it, if I were honest. Like, I didn't understand that Jesus being the Word was a personal message to me. That's what I didn't understand. Some of you in the room may or may not understand that as well. That Jesus is communicating a specific message to each and every person that belongs to him. He, listen, even to the ones that don't, he's trying to get them to come, isn't he? Doesn't delight in the destruction of the wicked. It's that Jesus wants everybody to come and fall in love with him. Are you guys tracking with me? Give me a yes or a no. Guys are like, this might seem like this is elementary. Where I'm about to go is not elementary. Where I'm about to go is off the high dive, okay? So you guys got to track with me a little bit. Because I'm going to tell you a little bit of the journey, a little bit of the story. And hopefully, you'll come out the other side of this understanding. So let me talk to you quickly about the difference between a contract and a covenant. Contracts, you bought a home, you bought a car, signed up for Netflix. Most all of you got a cell phone. That's called a contract. I will pay you money if you give me a service. Contract. Covenants, on the other hand, are this. I will release my right to you, and in turn, you release your right to me. Covenant. We're going to do this at a mutual agreement for the betterment of the other person. Watch. Marriage is a covenant. The best marriages are when a wife serves a husband, and I'll finish. No, I'm playing. Or a husband. <laughs> Husband serves a wife when it's two servants in love. That's, those are the best marriages. Born out of a covenant, a commitment, not a contract. I'll love you if you love me first. I'll serve you regardless of whether you serve me back. But in marriage, the best ones are when they're doing it mutually, when they're doing it. And I can tell you from my own marriage, the times where we are like most in sync is when we're doing things really great. And the times when we're not, is when I'm like, well, forget her. I'm not gonna go to the store. She can go to the store. You get her own gas. I never do that. It's been a lot of years since I haven't got her gas. But 
But I'm just using that as a funny to say, when you decide to stop serving them, you're actually moving into a contractual relationship as opposed to a servant-hearted covenant relationship. So God is moving into this covenant relationship. I'm in the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. I'm in the, the book of Ephesians. Paul's writing to the book, the, the church at Ephesus. And, and I discovered this thing that was mind-boggling to me. And the discovery was this, that when we read this, we're going to think the whole thing's talking about Jesus. But it's actually the Father's communication to the people of God. It's not Jesus's. It's the Father's. Okay, so let's, let's do this together. And like I said, for some of you, this might be the high dive. I think it's really powerful. If we could go ahead and get up the first uh, scripture in the book of Ephesians, we're going to look at this together. I think this is powerful. I hope it's encouraging to you. This is verse 3 of chapter 1 in Ephesians. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, in Christ. So I'm going to walk through this and break it down. Blessed is this. It's the word eulogio. Anybody ever heard of eulogy at a funeral? Come on. Well, okay, three or four of you guys. Thanks for responding. My students are not so good today. Eulogy. You, logos. You to speak well of, logos words. To speak well words. Literally, that is what that means. So when, he, when he's saying, blessed be, he's saying, I'm going to speak good words of who the Father is and who Jesus is and the blessing that he brings to the people of God. So he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. How many spiritual blessings? Okay, what's a spiritual blessing? Gift of tongues. No, it, gifting might be included in it, but, but let me break this down for you. Spiritual blessings, it, now Paul was really, really a brilliant guy. I shared this with the guys on Monday. Paul was a brilliant guy. This is the word pneumatikos in the Greek. You're like, ooh, he knows Greek. Don't care that you remember the word. I care that you understand this. Pneuma is the word spirit. Tikos is a connection to it. So Paul said it this way in another scripture. Well, watch, can we get the, the, the Corinthian scripture up there? Paul said it another way using the exact same word. Okay, watch. He said, these things we also speak. He's speaking of spiritual life. He said, not in words taught by human wisdom. Say, not by human wisdom. Come on, say it again. Not by human wisdom. Listen, you're not going to figure out the things of God because you're smart. Doesn't mean don't use your intelligence, but it doesn't come from your intellect. Watch what he goes on to say. He says, but in those taught by who? The Spirit. Watch. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now, what you can't see in this thing, see that word thoughts and the word words? They're not in the original language. If you look in your Bibles, those of you who have a Bible open, the word will be italicized, which means that they put it in there so that it reads more smoothly. But the truth is this, those two words are not in there. So this is literally what Paul is teaching. He says, combining the spiritual with the spiritual. Right, what the heck does that mean? Well, the word pneumatikos means this, that you're connected with, governed by, supervised, led by the Spirit of God. So this is literally what Paul is saying, that your spirit will be connected, filled with, and governed by the Spirit of God. Okay, what if I told you that everything that you do, everything that you do has that possibility to be connected with, governed by the Spirit of God, like His presence is filled in every single piece of it? Is that exciting? Is that good? Like, do you go into something thinking, hey, God is with me? Like, like he's really, like I know we say stuff like that, 
We do. Like, God never leave us, never forsake us. Like, we quote the verses. But can I ask you an honest question? When you go into situations that you're not 100% sure on, is that really how you think? My spirit is connected with God's. They're inseparable. And he's with me. Because when I discovered that, it blew me away. Because I started to realize, one, because I am pretty smart, like naturally speaking, that I couldn't rely on that. That I had to rely on a connection with the Spirit of God, where His will and His sovereignty governs my decisions and my direction, how He's moving in my life. See, and I'm in Bible college, and, and I'm this little Catholic boy starting to discover Jesus, and, and I'm studying the Gospel of John, where He's the Word, and I'm studying this, that I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, and His Spirit is connected with and governs and drives everything I do. You know what happened inside of me? I'm hoping it's going to happen in you right now. I became invincible. How can you lose if God is your front guard and your rear guard? How can you lose if you're connected to him? You see, the, the truth is so powerful. But, but listen, i got to be honest with you. I walked out of the room and I had to do life. What about you all? I, I had to go back into to work settings where there was nothing spiritual about them. And what I'm talking about right now was not like, oh, I've got this warm, fuzzy, the Spirit of God is going with me, and my boss is cussing me out. I'm like, you get into relationships, and your, your marriage is struggling, and you're like, okay, God, where's the, the pneumatikos now? I need it right now. See, because that's the reality of life. And, but what I'm trying to encourage you in is, is this, and you can ask my wife, I really do live like this, well, maybe I don't, but I'm pretty sure I do. I am the, 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 like, incessant, it ain't done yet. Yeah, we'll never be able to do this. I always say, don't ever say never. Never say never. You never know what God is up to. You put the God factor in, everything changes. Might be impossible with our lens. Ain't impossible for God. So never say never. And then there's times I'm like, darn it, this is never going to work. And then she'll remind me, don't say never. You never know what God will do. But I really do try to live my life in a way that says, God, there's always a way with you. There's always a possibility with you. There's always a way you can fix something that's out of sorts. There's always a way that you can bring something together that is otherwise completely broken. Listen, if I were honest, if I were really honest, the only reason my life has any sort of success in it at all, whether it's my marriage, whether it's my children, whether it's my church, is because every time I've got full of myself, God has been strong enough to knock me down. It's taught me humility most times the hard way. Am I talking to any of you men in the room? Some of you women in the room, too, you're like, oh, God, I need some of that humility pill, God. But it, the truth is this. I have this, like, inner wiring from this discovery that God is actually with me all the time. All the time. Even in the negative, he's with me. Now, now, I got to be honest. I got to get out of that, out of the way of him sometimes, don't I? Don't, don't you? Sometimes we have to like really pause and just say, God, you're bigger. I can't see it, but I want to follow you right now. I want to follow you. See, and there's times where, listen, this is for some of you, where God will say, jump in. Don't run away. Don't hide. Don't shy away. And there's other times where he's saying this to you. Would you take your hands off of it, please? The more your hands are on it, the messier it gets. It looks like you're the potter, not me. I need to be the potter. That's God. 
I need to be there, not you. I'm the potter. See, sometimes you got to step in, sometimes you got to step away. And the only way you know that is by listening, by discerning, by seeking, by reading, by hearing, by seeking counsel sometimes. But those things are all communications of how God is speaking to us. So if we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, who's the who in all of this? So if we've been blessed, who's the who? Is Paul speaking of the Father as the person who blesses? Is he speaking of the Son as the person who blesses? Which one is it? See, in, in verse 4, let's go ahead and get that on the screen. In verse 4, watch. When you read this, it can be confusing. Just as he chose us in him. Who is the he and who is the him? Is Well, God, but God is general. Are we talking about the Father or the Son? See, just as he, the Father, chose us in him, the Son, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him, the Father, in love. See, this was revolutionary for me because I started to figure out God was for me. He wanted me to have success. He wanted, and the reason he sent Jesus is so that I could connect with him. Now, some of you are like, but that's obvious, Pastor. We already know that. Okay, good. God bless you. I didn't. And this is what I think. Some of you don't. Some of you right now are going, wait, it was God's idea? The whole thing was God's idea. And when I say God, I mean the Father. The whole thing was the Father's idea. It's the Father's idea that he chose us. What does it mean to be chosen? You know, how many of you guys played sports growing up? Or, or you're on the playground when you were in elementary school? You guys remember this? They would choose up teams? Man, I hated it when I was picked last. Oh, I hated that. Like, there were some games I was always like, if it was sports, I was never last. Like, second or third, is generally not first, but I was never last. But when they played games, like, like we'll call them girl games, like Foursquare and Hopscotch, they were girl games. I'm just sorry. Those were girl games to me. It wasn't football. I didn't get to run anybody over. There was no blocking involved. You know, we used to play all sorts of crazy games. But when we played what I called the girl games, sorry if that's offensive. I don't mean it. To, but the girl games, I always got picked last for those. Listen, the truth is, I should have been really good at them because I got four sisters right above me. Like, I'm the baby of 12 kids. I got four sisters right above me. But I was terrible at all of those things. I could play Barbies like no one's business. So I'm just saying, I, did, I could. I could. They, I, I played dolls with them. I did all that. But, but, but I, was, I hated being picked last. So when I looked at that and I said, wow, he chose me. God chose me. God chose you. He chose you. Listen, before the foundations of the world, before time and eternity, he looked at John and said, John, you're mine. John wasn't, there wasn't even a world yet. There wasn't a universe yet. And God said, before I even create the world, before I even create your parents, you're mine. You belong to me. He did that for every one of us in the room. You belong to me. I chose you before there was a thing. I chose you. See, for me, that was, oh, man, because I hated getting chosen last. Hated it. I hated it. And I figured out. He picked me. He picked me. And then how did he pick me? That I would be, look, holy, hagios, set apart. Watch. A saint. See, again, I grew up Catholic. The only people who get sainthood are people who are dead. You don't get to be a saint. But the Bible actually doesn't teach that. Bible actually teaches that you all right now sitting in this room are saints. 
Bible teaches that you're right now alive, living for God, set apart, holy. And then he said this, and you're blameless before him. How many of you guys have done some stupid things in your life? How many of you guys have done some shameful things in your life? <laughs> things that should have put you in jail. And I'm blameless. I'm, I'm blameless. Some of you are all, that's pretty good. I ain't about as pastor. <laughs> but blameless. Listen, listen. That word blameless, unblameable is literally what it means. In other words, nobody can bring an accusation to your account that could stick because of what God did for you. See, see, this was revolutionary for me. Because, look, look, look. Some of you had a rough week. Heck, some of you had a rough year. Some of you might have had a rough decade. I don't know. But you are sitting here right now and you're thinking, blameless? Nah, pastor, you don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know the attitude I had yesterday. You don't know where I disobeyed God yesterday. You don't know. I don't need to know. This is what God said. There's nothing you can do that he won't forgive. That you are, in fact, standing before him blameless right now. See, it was revolutionary for me. I found myself sitting there going, okay, so, so now watch, watch. I'm blameless, so I can go boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in my time of need. I never thought I could go before God. See, see, because as, as a kid, I had to do, I got had to light a candle, had to go talk to some scary priest behind this screen thing, tell him that I said some cuss words and I lied to my mama. Then he'd tell me, go out and kneel down, give me 10 Hail Marys. What's a Hail Mary? That's a pass in football. That's, I'm serious. <laughs> I, I mean, I was all confused. I was confused. I didn't know how to reconcile this. And so I started to realize that it wasn't about the roots of life. It was about the relationship that, watch, the Father set up for me through the Son before there was ever even a creation. And it started to give me this confidence like, oh, man, if he decided that I was his before there was even a thing, oh, man, I'm golden. If the all-powerful God of the universe chose me, that's as good as it gets. But it doesn't even end with that verse. Like, it continues. You would think, how sappy can God get? As sappy as pastor is going to preach. Watch. It goes on. Look at this. He predestined us to the adoption of sons. By the way, you can do slash daughters there through Jesus Christ to himself. So he, the Father, the Father, predestined, predetermined that you and I would be adopted. Well, I remember sitting in the class and the professor started talking about this idea of adoption. And he started to explain that in the Hebrew culture, if you adopted somebody, it was against the law to disown them. But like, like, listen, in Hebrew culture, you could disown your biological kid for being a knucklehead, but if you adopted another kid, you could not disown him. And the thought was this, the person has already been rejected. There's no way you should reject him twice. And I thought, man... So God, you predestined me to be adopted. You'll never kick me out? You know, so I started doing this. Tell me if you guys ever done this. Okay, God, well, what if I started drinking? What if I got in an accident and killed somebody? What if I started selling drugs again? What if I stopped going to church? What if I started using bad language? Would you then still adopt me as your son? He said, I'll never reject you twice. Oh, man, I, see, I, like, I don't know about you guys, but that's really comforting for me. Because, like, I'm, 
spiritually, I think I'm schizophrenic, little ADD, little HD. I'm, I'm nuts. Like inwardly, it's like, woo, place your bets. Outwardly, I'm like, oh no, Jesus was for you. You guys don't know what's going on inside. Sometimes like, really, God? And I started to learn, I, I chose you. I adopted you. And if I adopted you, nothing. See, watch. That adoption turned into this for me. John chapter 10. Those whom the Father has placed in my hand, no one can by any means snatch them out of the palm of my hand. No one, any means. Listen, I'm the no one in that. I can't even snatch myself out of the palm of God's hands. Like if he's got you, he's, he's got you. Now, now listen, I want to encourage some of y'all. Some of you all, you're bouncing around to all kind of knuckles. I'm just saying. You're right on the edges. You're almost falling off. Go right in the middle. Go right in the middle. It's so much better right in the middle. The times I've bounced around on the edges, Jesus didn't stop loving me. He didn't adopt me any less. I wasn't any less blameless before him, but I sure, certainly wasn't as inwardly secure and, and at peace as I could be had I just stepped into the middle. Oh, yeah, have a rougher ride like a four-wheel up a mountain is what it is. Stay in the middle. It's kind of like this. This is what it, like, tell me if your kids ever do this with you. Like, like if you say, hey, I don't, like, like let's make a curfew. I want you home by midnight, because this is a real conversation. I got teenagers. I want you home by midnight. Anybody else have this conversation? I want you home by midnight. Some of you guys go later, but whatever. Ours is midnight. I want you home by midnight. And, and, and so this is what I always get. Midnight? Really, Dad? Is it okay if I come home at 1230? No, I was really thinking midnight, son, is a good time. Julia, hey, Dad, it's a, it's a basketball game. Everybody's going to go eat. I know, but you have to be home by midnight. And well, well, why can't I go to 1 o'clock? Because I said, well, watch. Why can't I stand on the edge of the knuckles? Because it's way safer right in the middle. I love what my dad used to say. Nothing good happens after midnight. I mean, every now and again, like it was Michael's birthday on Valentine's Day. They all went to, to Six Flags, and they went to the beach for a bonfire. He's like, Dad, please. I said, it's your birthday. Okay, what time are you going to be home? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I fell asleep. I don't know what time he got home. But it wasn't crazy late, because he knows. If it's 3 in the morning, I'm freaking out. Like, like I'm iClouding him. Where is he at? I'm calling him, texting him. Like, the, the, one of the scariest feelings for me is to walk out of my bedroom. His door is the door next to mine. Walk out of my bedroom and see his door open, which means he's not home. He always sleeps with his door closed. So I walk out, and it's like 4.30 in the morning. I study one. I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm <laughs> like, is he dead? Did he get an act? That's what's going on. So I walk in, uh, honey, and she's like, no, no, he's staying the night at Ian's. I'm like, oh, that Ian, no, I'm playing. I love Ian. <laughs> but there's this sense of right in the middle. No one can by any means snatch me out of the palm of God's hand. You're the no one. You can't even snatch yourself out. See, I started to rest. I started to discover that God is like really good. And he's really for me. And, and the stuff that's on the fringes that I do, it's not good for me. And it doesn't make me feel closer to him. It doesn't draw me into a peaceful season. Like most of the time that I've had strife in my life, it's because I did something stupid and then I reaped the repercussions of it. God never left me, but I still touched the pan and found that it was hot. That's what I found. So, so this discovery of like, you picked me, you chose me, I'm adopted, I'm in the palm of your hand, I can't be removed. Listen, some of you need to understand that you cannot run away from God. 
Like one of the studies I teach, I haven't taught it in a long time. Maybe I'll bring it to you guys soon. I talk about the relentlessness of God. He will always come after you. Always. He'll always leave the 99, chase the one. He'll always go from whatever is secure to something that is insecure and pull it back in to make it safe. I think that's glorious. What about you guys? Like if you're doing life, if life is up and down and you're out there and God has pulled you back in, say amen with me. Amen. A hundred times, thousand times in my life where God has pulled me back in to the center of his grip. And you would think like, well, that's enough, man. I'm adopted now. Everything's good. Didn't end there. I'm still sitting in the class discovering. Let's go to the next verse. Just so, so powerful. And then it says this in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Whose grace? The Father's. So the celebration is God's grace to us, which he, the Father, freely bestowed on us and the beloved Jesus. See, like so much of church is like, Jesus, oh, Jesus is my buddy. Jesus, Jesus is my buddy. But the Father's crazy about me. Father is crazy about you. That is so, so good. So watch. Let's keep going. Let's finish this up. I'm going to wrap it up, tell you a story, and then I'm going to send you to lunch. See, it says this in verse 7. In him we have redemption. What does redemption mean? You ever, ever use a coupon? When you redeem a coupon, you're saving your money. You're getting your money back from the person that you're buying from. So if you're buying something for 10 bucks and you give them a dollar coupon, you're redeeming the dollar back into your wallet. In him, we have redemption through his blood. God was redeeming you, buying you back. The price was not a coupon. It was Jesus' blood. He bought you back into fullness, into wholeness, into relationship with him. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Trespass, you ever trespassed? Ever hopped a fence with a no trespassing sign? As kids, we did it all the time. We'd go catch snakes and lizards. We'd go shoot BB guns. We'd jump the fence. No trespassing. People would come out with salt guns in the avocado fields shooting at us and stuff. It was crazy. Anybody else had this childhood? It's fun. I never got hit. That's why it was fun. I never got hit. My buddy got hit. It was painful. We have redemption through his blood no trespasses, that he forgives the times we willfully choose to jump the fence. That was glorious to me. Because there were times I willfully chose to do what? Jump the fence, just like you guys. I know God is saying this, but I want to do that. And it may not even be sin. Like sometimes it has nothing to do with sin. God will say, hey, go serve the homeless. I don't want to get out of bed. That's called a trespass. If God tells you to do it and you don't do it, you're violating what he asked you to do. That's called a trespass. And then it says this, he forgives those according to the riches of his grace, the Father's grace. Let's keep going. Let's, let's finish this up. Which he lavished. Lavished is like an abundance. It's like more than you can measure is what the word literally means. He lavished his forgiveness on us in all wisdom and insight. In other words, God knew that we would be so freaky as people that he would do this so abundantly beyond what we would ever think that even our crazy minds who think God hates us, he said, nope, in all wisdom and insight, I'll do so much of it that there's no way they can deny me. No way. Man, there's been so many times God's grace has shown up in my life. There is no way I could deny him. No way. There's no way. There's times I've thought, this is nuts. This is stupid. You know, man, God, really? I mean, we, we lost a home. That was terrible. Actually, the worst thing in our, in our lives, in our married life that we've, we've experienced, it was horrible, difficult, painful. The lot, it was horrible. And in the middle of all that, I went, okay, God, I felt like you left me. And he goes, I didn't. I didn't. 
Actually, he said this to me. You made a bad decision. You didn't trust me. This is true. I'm telling you the truth right now. God is my witness. You made a bad decision. You trusted yourself more than trusting me. And it bit you, didn't it? I've painfully so, God, yes. And he said, okay, will you do it my way next time you're faced with something like that? Absolutely. By the way, we're only talking a few years ago. So this is your, hey, I've been walking with Jesus 32 years. You'd think I'm smarter than that, huh? Listen, when you lean to the flesh, you get the flesh. When you lean to the spirit, you get the spirit. By the way, the spirit is almost always counterintuitive to the flesh. The flesh will always say, this will make it easier. And the spirit will say, don't take the easy way. It'll bite you. I, I, I mean, I, I had a conversation with my son yesterday. I was talking to him about stewardship. And I just said, man, what you manage today produces fruit tomorrow. That's, that's what God does. You manage today, he blesses tomorrow. If you don't manage today, then you kind of stay in a cycle. You know, and, and I remember when I was young, I did the same thing. I didn't want to do anything. of I just wanted it all to be easy. But I've learned over the years, if you manage today, tomorrow will be fruitful. And it says that God did this. That God did all of this stuff because he wanted to lavish on us his blessing and his freedom. And then he says this, he made known to us. By the way, you actually know. Listen to me. In, in John's epistle, it says this, you don't need anyone to teach you because you've been given the Holy Spirit who's an advocate. That doesn't mean don't listen to a teacher. It means this, you ever gotten to those spots where you're like, I don't know what to do. Ask God, because he says he's made known to us the mystery of his will. He made it known to us. You're not ignorant. Stop giving yourself the excuse to not know and dive in and discover who God is. He said he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. By the way, this in him is Jesus. He said, my kind intention is to show you Jesus and to pull you back into deep fellowship and relationship with me. Listen, I don't have time to do the whole thing. Some of you will be familiar with this verse because you'll, you'll know it. We sing a song to it. Just a few verses later, Paul says, I would that you would enlighten the eyes of their heart. Got eyes in your heart. Your heart sees what God is doing. It says, enlighten the eyes of their heart that they would know, that they would know, that they would know the hope of their calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, which he wrought in Christ Jesus. That's the Father who wrought that in Christ Jesus. See, and I started to discover how good God was, how much he was for me. And that's what I want you all to discover, that there's this richness in relationship with God. And it's all driven by the Father's love through the Son's communication of his word. So I went to healing rooms the other day. I'm going to wrap up right now. And, you know, I've shared with you guys, you guys know what healing rooms are? Some of you guys know, some of you don't. We do healing rooms here once a month. Um, a lot of times I'll go to a healing rooms that's not here because when I walk into our healing rooms, everybody kind of freaks out because I'm the pastor. So no one really wants to pray for me. They're all kind of like, well, you're the pastor. We don't want to pray for you. They do, but you get what I'm saying. So a lot of times when I want to go get prayer, I don't go where everybody knows me. I go where they don't know me. So I went over to Claremont, and coincidentally, I ended up in a room with Ronnie, who knows me. Because <laughs> Ronnie prays in the, in the prayer rooms over in Claremont. So you know, while I was sitting in, they call it the encounter room, it's kind of like worship is going and you're just waiting to be called for prayer. And, and I didn't go because I needed anything. I didn't, like, life is good right now. 
like marriage is good, my, my kids are all healthy, you know, church is vibrant, things are good, like there's nothing wrong. And, but I had this nagging sense inside of me, tell me if this ever happens to you guys, like the dime's gonna drop and something's gonna go wrong. That's a feeling I had, that's a feeling I had. And while I was sitting in there, I was kinda, I was wrestling around with it, I'm like, okay God, I don't really wanna feel like everything's about to go wrong, I, I kind of want it to not be that way. I want it to be more like what I'm sharing with you. Everything's right. God is good. He's on the throne. I don't want to struggle with uncertainty. So I'm, I'm sitting in the room, and I'm just asking the Lord, like, what are you trying to say to me this morning? This is how God uses his word to speak, by the way. So for those of you who want to know what God says, it's a good idea to open up your it's a really good idea. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to say, you want to know what God's saying? So, so I'm sitting there, and God says, I want you to read Psalm 19. And I said, okay, you know, it's the longest psalm, and it's the longest chapter in the Bible. I don't know if I have enough time to read it all, God. He said, just read till I talk to you. You'll know when. And he's done this with me lots of times. So I start reading, and I hit this, this verse. He says, deal, deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. And it was like, Oh, that was exactly it for me. God, I need you to minister wholeness, fruitfulness, because I don't want to live in that like, yeah, it's about to go wrong. It's about to go wrong. And so I go into the room, and you know, if, for those of you who've never been to the healing rooms, when you go in the room, there's usually two or three people in there praying for you, and what they'll do is they'll pray for you. They don't know who you are. So they just pray, and they pray over your sheet. They don't know if you're male or female. They don't know who you are, what you're asking for. They don't know any details about you. They just pray, and they say, God, is there anything you want to say to this person? And then each person writes down a phrase, a note, a scripture. It's, it's a variety of different things that they'll write. So the first person starts, and they start to talk to me about covenant relationship and the agape love of God. And I'm like, how funny, because I'm going to talk about covenant on Sunday. So I've already been in this. Like, this is how God works, you guys. He like mingles into your life where it's at. And he starts to talk to me about covenant and the blessing of God. And, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like soaking up this good stuff, good stuff. And then the gal starts to pray for me. And then I had this, this knot in my shoulder. I was making something for my wife and my, my shoulder knotted up. So I'm like, geez, God, I'm trying to be nice. Give me a sore shoulder. No, that's, no. yeah. The thought did run through my mind. I ain't gonna lie. But I didn't blame it on God. I blamed it on the devil, okay? Or a 54-year-old body, however you want to look at it. But, but I, I'm, I'm struggling with it. And I'm like, I got this. And the guy who's praying for me, he says, he said, I got a lot of pressure in the middle of my back. He said, do you have pressure in the middle of your back? He goes, is it going like right down the corner of your shoulder blade? And I go, yeah, as a matter of fact, I said, the knot's actually so big, I had my son rub it out the other day. He thought it was a bone. Dead serious. He rubbed it. He goes, is that a bone? I said, no, son, that's the muscle. Like just knotted up tight. And so he goes, I think that the Lord is really saying, like, he walked me through this thing on forgiveness, and then he, he kind of walked me through this, this thing on, on, like, just relaxing and casting the, the cares of the church back at the throne of God, casting the cares of my family back at the throne. It was really good. He's leading me in a prayer. God, I release the responsibility. I ask you to forgive me for carrying it. And as he's doing it, I'm feeling the peace of God rest on me. And, and the muscle is loosening. Like, you guys are like, that's so weird. Okay, I'm weird. God is good. Hello, he's a healer. And so I'm sitting there, and, it, and it's loosening up, and I'm like, okay, that's pretty good. And then he says, he says to the other gal, hey, why don't you lay hands on his back, and we'll pray some more. And she prays some more. Well, she had a backache. She's praying for me, and her backache goes away. And I'm like, whew, I healed her. I didn't do a thing. How cool is that? You know, but I'm just in the mix. 
And so he goes, hey, on a scale of one to five, with five being the worst, what's your pain level? I said, ah, it's still like a one or two. Like, it's there, but it's not nearly as bad. And, and he's kind of like, okay. So he walks me through a little more prayer, and I'm like, yeah, it feels better. You know, it feels better. And then that's the first two people. Then the last person, who, who coincidentally, Ronnie, who knows me, and not trying to put Ronnie on blast. He probably doesn't even like that I'm doing this. But Ronnie goes, I got a scripture for you. It's John 14, 6. Those of you, you all know this. You're like 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And as soon as he said it, as soon as he said it, I, it was like, just like this, the Spirit of God just illuminated it in my heart. And I just got really honest with him. I said, you know, when you guys started talking about the muscle in my back, this is what I thought. Muscles heal. Over time. It'll get better eventually. Come on, how many of you guys have muscles that need to get better eventually? Come on, you're sore, worked out too hard, did something dumb. And that's what was going on in my head, like, yeah, it'll get better eventually. And, and I kind of thought, you know, God, if you do it, that would be cool. But if you don't, it'll heal. It'll be okay. I'll be okay. Like, it ain't going to kill me. I'm still going to do what I do. That, you know, so, so as soon as Ronnie said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, this is what Jesus said, you don't believe I will. Dead serious. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, Oh, man, that means i got to fess up, too. They all know I'm a pastor. <laughs> i got I to get honest right now. And I just said, you know, honestly, when you guys told me about praying for my shoulder, this is what I thought. It'll happen eventually. And they went, I said, but really what I feel like God is speaking to me is, is if Jesus really is the way, the communication of God, if he is the truth, the absoluteness of everything that was once hidden, literally what this word means, taken out of hiding, put on display for all of us to see. And he's the life, the vibrancy of our life, not just breathing, but God present, connected, and in the mix of our life. If he's really the way, the truth, and the life, is he concerned about the muscle? Even as inconsequential as that might seem? Now watch, is he concerned about your loved ones? Is he concerned about your marriage, your finances? Is he concerned about everything that concerns you? The answer is yes. And that's part of the discovery. As I started to, to learn, now mind you, I told you a story that's 30 years old, and I just shared with you how it's working in my life today. And I did that so that you all, would all understand this. You don't ever like get over the hump. Like you don't, it's relationship. You're integrated with God. Say, say that with me. I'm. I'm integrated with God. That is the life of faith. You're integrated with God. It is not just, I've got this thing that I know that happened 30 years ago. I knew it 30 years ago when he started to show me, and he showed me again just a few days ago. Watch. Because it's the Father's good pleasure to lavish on me the grace of, of the Father through the Son. It's his pleasure to do it. And I just started to learn, hey, God, how do I do this stuff? That he, Listen to me. Seek me. When you seek me, you'll find me. Search for me with all your heart. Not a half heart, a devoted heart. So, so listen, I, I want to wrap this up, and I want to wrap this up by saying this to you guys. And I, I'm, I, I honestly, I don't feel led to do a big altar call thing. So if some of you need prayer when I'm done, I would really encourage you, sneak up front afterwards. The prayer ministry will be available to pray with you. But I really feel like I'm just supposed to close with the time of prayer over you as a group. Is that okay? So, so why don't we take the lights down real quick, and I just want to pray a couple things over you that in part was from my own journey, but just hopefully that God would connect some of the dots in your own heart 
with how much he's for you. So Father, we know this, that you declared that when Jesus came, he was the word, the communication of your heart to our hearts. And that he was the expression of love. He was the desired thing that you wanted to communicate to each one of us, your favor for us, your forgiveness toward us. So God, I want to pray just over the folks here that there would be a point of discovery for them. That there would be a point of intimacy right now. God, I, I pray that that spiritual to spiritual would happen in this moment right now. That you would connect their spirit with your spirit. And Holy Spirit, I, I pray that because your word declares what I've received I can give. And I have received what I'm talking about right now. So God, there is an impartation that happens in, in the picture that God has given me is there's a plate set in front of you and it's yours to eat. And he's saying, take and eat. You can leave the, the plate there, not touch it. And you'll walk out with information, but you won't walk out with transformation. But God said, I, I've invited you to a banqueting table. And my banner over you is, in fact, love. And he wants you to partake of his goodness. He wants to lavish grace on you. He wants to declare holy and blameless over you. He wants you to understand that before there was anything, any creation, that he chose you, he picked you, he predestined you before himself in love. God, I pray that there would not be one person in here that feels like the enemy has snatched them, that they've snatched themselves, that they've gone too far, they've sinned too much, they've rejected or neglected their relationship with you too often. God, I just pray in this moment right now, you just bring it back together. God, I pray for yes moments right now. For people sitting in the room who say, man, I'm not really all that connected to God right now. But I'll say yes. Would you show yourself to me right now? Would you demonstrate your love for me as I leave here throughout the week, weeks to come? Would you remind me that if you're for me, that I'm never alone and nothing can be against me? God, I pray right now that there would be a severing in the spirit of the things that come from hell that distract us from understanding your love for us or your goodness toward us. God, I pray in our minds that we would take every thought captive to your lordship, that we would not listen to the lies that tell us that we're something other than what you declare over us. And you say holy and blameless. You say our trespasses have been forgiven. You say we've been predestined, adopted as sons and daughters. God, we want to live in that. So God, we say to the lies, no more. We say to the distractions, no more. We say to the things that we're chasing, no more. You know, there's some of you in the room, and to say this a little bit directly, and if it's you, it applies. If it's not you, don't hold on to it. Some of you, you're like trying to grab the golden ring as you're going around the merry-go-round, and you think that that golden ring's got everything you've ever wanted. And God says, that's not what you should be grabbing for. Reach for heaven. That's got everything you want. Some of you need to say, God, I've been chasing the gold ring. And he says, I want you to chase me. I want you to chase me. And you're saying, I don't know if I can do that. You don't have to do it. He does it in you. You just have to be willing. So God, I do pray a grace over us, a freedom over us, a deliverance over us.
a new season over us, an impartation of greater grace, blessing, fullness. God, I pray that every need in this room represented would be met in some fashion, that you would speak, answer, enlighten, restore, that you would hear on high and bring answers down low where we are. God, we commit our hearts to you right now. I just get, the Lord keeps repeating the phrase in my head, and he just, it's this, I have given you a greater grace. I've given it to you. It's already yours. I'm not trying to be weird or mushy. That's actually a scripture. He's given you a greater grace that you would be able to walk with him and stride with him and sink with him. So God, as we close this morning, we just say thank you that we could gather with you. Thank you that we can learn about you. God, I pray that this, this message of the Father's love through the Son, established by the Spirit, that it would land in each one of our hearts and that it would stay, that it would remain. God, as we go, we pray that we'd go full, blessed, and encouraged. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, God bless you all. Have an amazing rest of your day. Um, if you do need prayer, you can sneak on up. Some of the prayer folks will make themselves available for you. Um, young people, I'll see you at 1 o'clock. We'll eat a little grub together. Otherwise, God bless you all. Have a great Sunday.